Amen. And amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 today. And we've been looking at this uh, series, What Christmas Really Means. And um, we dealt Wednesday night on the humanity of Jesus. And uh, we want to deal this morning on the virgin birth, what Christmas really means. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. The, uh, the incarnation, the, the incarnation of Christ is ultimately it's doctrinal truth. And doctrinal truth produces strong, mature believers that know what they believe and why. And if there's one thing that I see sometimes in, in a lot of circles, but even word of faith circles, not a lot of doctrines taught. And you don't see a lot of people that talk about the end times. You don't see a lot of people that talk about doctrinal issues. And sometimes the argument is, well, it's because everybody's got a different viewpoint. But the Bible don't have a different viewpoint. It's what the Bible says. All right? Some people, obviously, they're not pastors. They, they, they don't teach that. But the point is, is if you don't have a doctrinal foundation, if you don't know what you believe and why, then it's easy to be moved. If you talk to, for instance, the statistic I gave you Wednesday night, they, they, they polled a group of evangelical Christians, and they, they posed this statement to them. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 53% of evangelical Christians said that was a true statement. 53%. Why? They don't have doctrine. If you've got good doctrine, people say, well, they're just, they, they just don't believe nothing. Why don't they believe nothing? Because the church they go to doesn't give them good doctrine. If you don't believe anything, it's because where you're going doesn't teach anything. It's just the reality of it. You know, if you have a bad marriage, it's not how you act here. It's how you act at home. Right? We got to go home with you to find the problem. Right? If you don't believe anything, you got to check out where you're going. What are you hearing? Think about that. If a person doesn't believe in healing, why is that? They're not going where it's taught. If they don't believe in victory in their finances, why? They're not going where it's taught. If If they don't believe they're the righteousness of God in Christ, why? They're not going where it's taught. Amen. And, and, and in, in this season, this season that we call Advent, all right, in this season, the focus very often, and, and it's in everybody's front yard, and I want it in your front yard. We got one in our front yard. It's the nativity scene. It's the baby in the manger, right? And they usually have three uh, uh, wise men with cigar boxes there around the baby, you know, and, 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 and Joseph's kind of looking like what just happened, and Mary's going like this. I don't know. But the, the point is, The point is, he did come as a baby. Oh, but there was such a reason for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Do do you see that? The the virgin birth is one of three, three great unfathomables of Christian theology. Unfathomables of Christian theology. 
All right, the first one is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How, how can there be three yet eternally uh, be, how can God be one and yet eternally exist in three persons? The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet the Bible teaches it very plainly. The second is eternity. Eternity. All right, you can't fathom eternity, and I'll, I'll tell you why you can't fathom eternity, because you've always been time-bound. Right? Somebody will wait in traffic for 10 minutes, and they'll go, this is taking forever. I have no idea of what forever is. Right? One, one, one man said, you know, you go, to, you go to a funeral, and it has the guy's born date and, his, and the, the date he went to heaven. And they said, what you do is you take you, the born date, and then you kick out the date he went to heaven. Now you got eternity. See, it's hard to wrap our mind around that. If, if one man said eternity was this long, that if, if you could take a hummingbird and he would take a speck of sand from the, 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 the seashore in California and fly that one speck to the moon and back, by the time he had emptied that whole seashore, eternity would have just begun. It's a long time. Right? See, try to wrap your head. And the third is the virgin birth. Now, we think, we think it's, it's supernatural. It is supernatural. But how is a child born without the aid, without the, the inclusion of a natural flesh and blood and bone man? And, and where a lot of people leave it, well, it's just supernatural, brother. You can't explain it any other way. Well, I understand that, but Peter said we always needed to be ready to give an answer for what we believe. So that means the Bible must tell us. Would that be right? Amen. Woo, glory. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ are central to redeeming us back to himself. But these events were preceded by the virgin birth. They were preceded by the incarnation. And so by being conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, the eternal Son of God received a human body. He was made flesh. When you hear somebody say, Jesus clothed himself in flesh, shut that off. Because he didn't just clothe himself in flesh. He became flesh. He became flesh. All right, he didn't just clothe himself in flesh. I clothed myself in a suit this morning, but I'm not this suit. Right? This suit covers my flesh. Jesus became flesh. It's so important. Jesus became flesh. And through this, here's what he did. He escaped the sin nature. He had to escape the sin nature. He had a human nature, a 100% human nature. Amen. Now, how do we know that? See, people say, he was all God, all man. How do you know that? How, how do we perceive that? Because that, that, that's easy to say, and, and we shout about that. Bless God, 100% God, 100% man. Have, do you just realize what you just said? Somehow, the eternal God became a man and yet didn't stop being God. He didn't just have God living in him. 
he became a man and he was God. We are men and women that have God in us. But he didn't just have God in him, he was God. Ooh, glory to God. And he became a man. A hundred percent human man. Did you see this? That's the way he escaped the sin nature. That was the way that he was uniquely qualified to be our Savior and our Redeemer. All right? There never was one before. There'll never need to be another one after. Amen. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Are you with me? Oh, we're going to go on a trip. Hebrews 2 verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Now notice, you're a partaker of flesh and blood. You didn't clothe yourself in flesh and blood. You became a partaker of flesh and blood when you were born into the earth. He also likewise took part of the same, took part of flesh and blood. Didn't just look like flesh and blood, took flesh and blood upon himself, became flesh and blood. Hallelujah. For what purpose? Through, that through death he might destroy him uh, that had the power of death that is the devil. Now there's something interesting here. You can't destroy him that had the power of death if you never die. And, and hear me when I say this. Only men can die. God can't die if he don't become a man. You understand that? that that's, 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 why, that's, why, that's why some people don't understand. And they think that when Jesus came to the earth, that, yeah, you know, I mean, he was tempted in simile. I mean, it looked like he was tempted, but he was never tempted with sin. Oh, yes, he was. The Bible says he was tempted at, in all points, just like we are, yet without sin. And it says because of that, he can be a faithful high priest to you and I. Because he knows what it's like to be tempted with what you're tempted with. What, God, but the Bible says God can't be tempted with sin unless he becomes a man. If he becomes a man, can his human nature be tempted? Yes. But what did he always do? He let his God nature override his human nature. Well, you have a God nature. You have a God nature because God is in you. Your spirit is 100% God. Amen. You don't, you don't have, you don't have a, 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 a dual nature. You have one nature. Your spirit's nature is God. And Jesus constantly kept his human nature under his God nature. Ah, do you understand that? So he couldn't die. He couldn't destroy death if he never died. And to die, he had to become a man. But he had to be a sinless man. He had to be without stain of the curse. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see this? So his lineage had to be spotless. Amen. Do, do you understand this? I've, I've, had, I've had fathers before, known of fathers before, that would get upset 
because they, you know, they, they, they were trying to have children. They were having children. And, boy, they wanted a boy so bad, and they kept having girls. We love girls. Hashtag girl dad. Right? Amen. I got a lot of both. But, but here, here's my point. Here's my point. They'd get it, well, I want a boy. I keep telling my wife to give me a boy. You in charge of that, Jack. Not your wife. You're the one that carries either the X or the Y chromosome. Because the gender and the bloodline are passed through the father. Right? Now, I'm not trying to give you a, a physiology exam. Right? But within, within, the, within the womb, within the body of that mother, is the egg that has to be fertilized by the seed of the father. And it's either fertilized with a Y chromosome or an X chromosome. Is that right? So, so what, what, what part does the mother have in the conception of the child? She carries the egg that becomes the child. The life of the child came from the father. The life of Jesus Christ came from His Father. The, the womb of His mother was a natural womb. Mary was not something special. She was not, she was not some... Uh, understand what I mean when I say something special. She, she was not like some people think that she was this holy saint that, right, that wasn't normal. She was absolutely normal. She knew that you couldn't get pregnant if you, weren't, if you never had union with a man. And she asked the angel, how's this going to happen? He said, here's how it's going to happen. The, the Holy Ghost, <laughs> the Holy Ghost will overshadow you and the power of the Most High will come upon you and you're going to find yourself pregnant with the Son of God. Woo, glory to God. Why, why, why'd the Holy Ghost have to come on her? The Holy Ghost is the life-giving arm of the Godhead. The Holy Ghost was the one that was there when creation, when God looked at the, at the earth, and it says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over that darkness that was without void and form. And when God began to speak, the Holy Spirit went into operation and produced life where there was nothing. The Bible says that it was the Holy Spirit that went into the ground on the third day and went into hell and raised Jesus from the dead. We sang it this morning. If that same power that rolled the stone away, that, that's the power that's within us. That's the life-giving arm of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, came up on her. Amen. See, see... People get weird with things. Well, how'd that happen? Well, how did, what do you mean, how'd that happen? The life of God went into Mary's womb and fertilized that egg. Period. End of discussion. And it was God. Do, do you understand that? And people will even say, well, why did it have to be a son? Because especially in those days, the lineage was only passed on through the sons. The inheritance could only come through the Son. You understand why, why I'm saying this? And so when God, when God overshadowed Mary, 
the Son of God was placed within her womb and He was an actual physical child created by God in the image of Mary's womb. But not created by God like God just decided to create a child and He just went, bada bing, there it is. No, He overcame her. The power of the Most High came on her and the physical parts of her body were actually inseminated and actually fertilized by God Himself. Hallelujah. And he said, that that is born in you, that holy thing, will be the Son of God. Amen. See, you can't shy away from that. Because people go, oh, virgin birth. Well, how else did it happen? Do you see this? Hebrews 2 and 14, we read it. The Phillips translation said he had to have a common physical nature as human beings. It says also he became, he also became a human being. Well, for what reason? So through death he might break the power of him. Uh, in order that by his death, one translation says, Moffat says, he might dethrone him. Woo, glory. Look, look, look at that, uh, at, um, Oh, look at Philippians 2. You'll remember in, in, uh, when Paul taught in Corinthians and he talked about the first Adam and the last Adam. Well, the word Adam just means man. And so he said, he said there was the first man and the last man. He said the first man was of the earth. The second man was from glory. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. Why, why, why is that important that he called him a man? Notice what he didn't call him. He didn't call him the only begotten Son of God. He didn't call him the Holy Son of God. He called him a man. Why? That's what he was. What did Jesus refer to himself more than anything else as? The Son of Man. Hallelujah. Philippians 2, and uh, I told you to go there, I'm behind. Philippians chapter 2, and this is a familiar verse, but let's read it. It says, let this mind be in Christ, that was all, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, now watch these words, who being in the form of God. Now this is important because of what the word form means. It means external appearance. And it means figuratively, nature. So being in the form of God, so Jesus looked just like God externally and had the nature of God. But notice, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, the, 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 the Greek says he didn't think that that was a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held on to. What it means simply is this. He did not think becoming a man made him less God. See, that would have been pride. The Bible says he had to humble himself. All right? Now, it goes on and it says this. He made himself of no reputation, took up on him the form of a servant. Same word. Same word, form. Alike in external appearance and nature. Here's where a lot of people lose it. 
He had God's nature, 100%, and man's nature, 100%. And here's the thing. Neither nature overrode the other one. You understand? He didn't quit being God because he became a man, and he didn't quit being a man because he was God. This will help you because a lot of people have this idea that Jesus overcame things as our model, as, as, right? As the one that we look to, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, he overcame that because he was God. No, he overcame that as a man. And he let his God nature override. Think back when you've made mistakes, when you've missed the mark or whatever you want to call it, sin. Think about it. How, how many promptings of the Holy Ghost did you have to override? Because what was happening, the, the, the God nature in you was trying to say, hey, 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 don't do that. Listen, I've been there. I've been there. You're about to say something. And right here, you don't say it. Don't, don't say it. And then you just bleh. And just blow the whole thing. Right? And then you walk out of the room going, why did I do that? Well, it's very simple. My human nature, right, overrode my God nature. That never happened with Jesus. But yet, he was 100% man. Why? Because he was born a man. Oh, it's so important. Amen. So he had the nature of God, and he took human nature upon himself. The, the one translation, the ASV says, he emptied himself. Well, that doesn't mean that he quit being God. He emptied himself of the rights and the privileges of God. And he walked on earth as a man. See, this we're talking about Jesus being born in the earth, but we're showing you the pathway to complete victory. Christians that have received the God-man into their spirit should not be among those that talk about all the things they can't quit doing. Because our nature should never override us to that extent. I'm going to move right on. Just, amen. The Coney Bear translation says, he stripped himself of his glory. So he laid it aside. The Bible says, the Bible says, you know, in the book of John, it says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, that wasn't talking about him walking the streets day in and day out. That was talking about Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. They beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And that's why Jesus looked at them and said, when they got down off the mountain, don't tell anybody what you saw. Amen. Now, verse 15 of Hebrews 2 says, the Amplified Bible says, to completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death. To completely set free. So Jesus had to become a human being. And it wasn't an epiphany. He didn't just look like a man. 
All right? When, when you read, uh, for instance, in the book of Genesis, in the, in the plains of Mamre, when uh, uh, Abraham, it says, he looked up and he saw some men walking towards him. And there were three men. And one of them was the Lord. But the Bible says they looked like men. The other two were angels, but they looked like men. They weren't men, but they looked like men. Well, why did they look like men? Because they took flesh on themselves. They covered themselves in flesh. That isn't what Jesus did. He became a man. All right? Now, hallelujah. In uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll read verse 1, and then we'll read verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. Now, whenever the beginning was, the Word was there. The Word was there. The Logos, God's spoken Word. All right? It was there. Uh, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we, we have the Word there. We have the Word with God. And the Word being God. So in the beginning, when it says the Word was with God, the Word was face to face with God. That's the context in the Greek language, is they were face to face. They were beholding each other consistently. How long? Since the beginning. All right? So Jesus, the Word, had always been there. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh. Now, we talked about this some Wednesday, but remember this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. Well, here's a real simple question for you then. If the Word was made flesh, and the Word was God, who became flesh? God. Now, that's simple, but that's what the Scripture says, right? And it says, notice... We beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. The uh, Weist Bible says the Word entering a new mode of existence became flesh. The Word that entered into a new mode of existence and became flesh. So if the Word was made flesh and the Word was God, then we would say, and God entered into a new mode of existence and became flesh. Is that right? Uh, hallelujah. So how did the Word who preexisted with God and was God become flesh? Well, Isaiah 7. See, if, if people understood these things... Uh, we, we wouldn't have some of the songs that's been written and some of the things that's been said. I remember a song, I'm, there was a song when I was a boy growing up, and uh, it's, it, it made the statement, it said, uh, well, Jesus, you know, if you're looking below, if, it's worse now than then. You know, it started off with, I'm only human, I'm just a woman. There's a woman that was singing a song. And, and it make, left you with the idea that Jesus had no idea what you were going through. And so the course was one day at a time, sweet Jesus. 
That's all I'm asking from you. Well, dear Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm asking for a lot more than one day at a time. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name, now notice, Emmanuel. God with us. Is that right? So, not an image of God, not a simile, God with us. Amen. That's, that's why you read in Matthew 1, 22-23, uh, when the angel appeared to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, right? And it said, because that that is born in her is holy, it's the Son of God. And it makes the statement, it says, all of this happened so that it might be fulfilled that was spoken of the prophet. Amen. There are people that say, well, what was Isaiah talking about? Matthew says he was talking about Jesus. See, Scripture will interpret Scripture. The Bible will always interpret itself. Amen. I'll have people come to me and, and they'll say, Pastor, what do you use to interpret the Bible? And, and now I have study helps, but I always go back and I tell them, this will interpret itself. There are no contradictions in it. This is not wrong anywhere. So I can interpret Isaiah 7 in the light of Matthew 1. Because the Bible says that's why Isaiah spoke it was because about, of, of it being about Jesus. So that's how the Word would become flesh. And, and recognize that there were 700 years between the two events. So Isaiah prophesied this, and 700 years later, it happened. Mm. Just like God said. That's good news, because what God's told you, you haven't waited 700 years for, but it's still going to happen just like God said it. Because once God says something, it's eternally established. Oh, hallelujah. We won't take the time to go to Genesis 3.15, but you'll remember the verse. It says that uh, 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 one translation says, There will be a war between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And by him, your head will be crushed. And by you, his foot will be wounded. But notice what it says. The seed of the woman by her seed. Hallelujah. So that's describing Jesus as the one that would bring complete destruction to the kingdom of darkness. Now see, then there's the question you always have to ask yourself. Has Jesus come in the flesh? Right? People will read the the verse in the book of John, 1 John, and it says, uh, uh, whatever spirit will not confess that Jesus has not come in the flesh is not of God. He said, you can't say that Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit of God. Well, why why is it that demon spirits and the devil will not admit that Jesus came in the flesh? Because the Bible says that the reason Jesus was manifest in the flesh was to destroy the works of the devil. And he, oh my Lord. And here's the, the issue. If he was manifest and he was, then the works were destroyed. If he was manifest... They were destroyed. 
Not going to be destroyed. We're destroyed. If he partook of flesh and blood, then he that had the power of death was defeated, and death has no more rule or reign over us. If he was manifest, the devil lost. Hallelujah. But people focus on a little naked fat baby in the manger. Amen. We miss it. Sometimes I think instead of Merry Christmas, it ought to be Merry, Happy Destruction of the Devil Day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody tells you Happy Holidays, you say Happy Destroyed Devil Day. Praise God. Well, they won't understand. I know, but you will. Think about that. Think you point him back to that every chance you get. No, 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 no. Jesus came in the flesh. You have no power over me. You have no authority over me. You have no ability over me. Jesus stripped you. He came in the flesh and he defeated you. He destroyed your works. You have no works over my life. Glory to God. Amen. Well, your children are never going to be saved. Ha, 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 ha. The only, the only thing you can do is try to produce a work. But that work was defeated. It was destroyed when Jesus came in the flesh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is that seed. Let's look at it. First John chapter 3. I got ahead of myself. But there are things you got to read in the Bible. And you have to ask yourself, did that happen? And if it happened, then what follows it happened? Amen. Think about this. Whosoever shall believe, shall confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that Jesus is Lord, shall be saved. Now think about that. Did you do that? So then what was the result? You were saved. So if the devil comes and says, you're not saved, what do you say? "Uh -uh, Uh-uh, I confessed with my mouth, believed in my heart. I'm saved. Well, you didn't act saved the other day. It has nothing to do with it. I did what it said, so I am what it says. Did you see how you can overcomplicate things? Amen. Well, you didn't act righteous today. Oh, but I am. Because he said, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So think about that. Would it be possible that Christians would stop talking about how bad the devil's fighting if we focused on the fact that Jesus was indeed manifest in the flesh and undid the works of the devil? You're thinking, aren't you? Think about that. Where, Where does that come from? Well, pastor, the devil's fighting. What's he got to fight with? I thought his works were destroyed. Hebrews 2 says he's been paralyzed. That doesn't mean he won't talk. But but he's a paralyzed, weaponless, armorless enemy. That all he's talking because he's paralyzed. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I am the great Oz. Right? And remember the little dog went over and pulled the curtain back? Don't pay any attention to that man. I'm the great and powerful Oz. Was he? 
No. Think about that. Is the devil defeated? Is he? Why did that happen? Because Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Jesus became a man. And he defeated the devil as a flesh, blood, and bone man. He did not just run him off. He defeated him. Through his death, through the blood of a man, the devil was defeated forever. Oh, glory. Ever, forever. 1 John 3 and 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Now, don't stop right there. Well, pastor, I've sinned. Am I of the devil? No. That word committeth, it's ongoing. He that persists in sin. He that keeps sinning. He that sins regularly. Someone that makes a habit out of it. Notice what it says. They're of the devil. Pastor, I don't like that. I'm sorry. That's what it says. And and notice the word, of the devil. Preposition of. Their substance. Their their genesis is of the devil. Why? Because the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what's he saying? There are people that are caught in that, in, that, in that sick cycle. I just can't quit this. I just can't stop this. He's saying, here's the answer. Those are the works of the devil. And Jesus was manifest so those works would be destroyed. So you can say unequivocally and without hesitation, sin has no authority over me because Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh and the devil's works were destroyed. Amen. Devil's works are destroyed over your children. They're destroyed over your family. They're destroyed over your grandchildren. They're destroyed over your marriage. Why? Jesus came in the flesh. And if Jesus came in the flesh, He did what He said He did. Oh, hallelujah. Focus more on what happened when He was manifest than on what the devil's trying to do. The devil's game is pressure. Pressure. Verbal pressure. He has no control over any of the events, events in your life. You understand that? The devil, the devil cannot create anything. He cannot make anything. He can't cause anything to happen without me. He has no creative ability. He's a created being. You and I have created being, uh, creative ability because the creator lives on the inside of us. The enemy has no creative ability. None. Absolutely none. He's got to get you to use your words, your actions, your attitudes, your unbelief to stop you. Why? Because Jesus was manifest in the flesh. And the works of the devil were destroyed. What, what was the work? What was the work? Fear of death. That was the work. That's what he produced in the Garden of Eden was the fear of death. Separation from God, estrangement from God. But the Bible says when Jesus came into the earth, what happened in the shepherd's field outside of Jerusalem? It said that, that, that all of a sudden, there was with the angel a host in heaven, and they sang what? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. 
And Paul said it this way. He said, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. God was reconciling the world back to Him. God never held it against man. God never held their sin against man. God had to wait all of those years to get the God-man in the earth so the works of the devil could be destroyed. And He did it. And if He did it, what He did it for happened. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I just get on that and start preaching. Think about that. Now, now don't, don't, you promise not to get upset with me. That will stop you from talking about what the devil's doing. I had, I had to learn that. Now, he's going to run his mouth. And that's, that's not wrong to talk about how he's running his mouth. But remember, he's, he's a puppet. He has, he has no substance to back up what he's saying if you won't give it substance. How do you give it substance? How do you give substance to God's Word? You meditate on it. You exercise your faith. Well, when you start thinking on what the devil said and you start talking what the devil said, what are you going to do? You're going to exercise your faith in what the devil said. And your faith that's supposed to move the mountain the devil produces will actually produce it in your life. Because your faith that God gave you that is God's faith will produce negative results just as easily as it will produce positive results because faith works the same way no matter what you're doing. So use your words to declare over your life Jesus came into the earth. Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Devil, your works are broken in my life. Uh Hallelujah. And understand something. Their words spoken in private are eroding their own foundation. And they don't even know it. You know this by the Spirit of God. Their lifestyle is not God-honoring. And their lifestyle is not God-pleasing. And the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be, his, to be, his, his, be at peace with him. What happens if your ways don't please the Lord? you got nobody to protect you. When it all falls apart, don't worry about gathering the spoil. Do it. Don't feel bad about things. I'm going to say this the only way I know to say it. Don't feel bad because people that won't serve God fall into hard things. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You, you just, you just, if they're not going to serve God and things go south, I, I want things to go good for you. Right? But Jesus manifests himself in the flesh so the works of the devil over my family could be destroyed. And, and, and I'm not going to sit back and feel bad because they're being destroyed. I think that was for all of us, but specifically for you. Why do, I don't want anybody to be hurt. Listen, listen. If, if Junior keeps putting his hand in the car door and slamming it, you can want him to not get hurt all you want. He keeps slamming his hand in the door. He keeps doing what he's doing. You, you understand? That, this is all by the Spirit. 
And when he holds his hand up to you and go, my Lord, look at my hand. What can I do? What can I do? You were slamming your own hand in the door. What can I do? I'll help you as I can. But you got to quit slamming the door. You got to stop. You got to turn. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It said the person that's often reproved, but he stiffens his neck and hardens his heart, it says destruction will come to that person and there'll be no remedy. You can't help them. Because every time, every time, every time they get an opportunity, every time they get an opportunity to change, they stiffen their neck, they harden their face, they rebel against it. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people don't like to preach. God will not be rebelled against. And if you keep trying to stop God from giving His people what they desire, you will end up on the broken side of things. And not because God broke you. Because your rebellion broke you. Your refusal to admit that God is right broke them. What's that got to do with Christmas? I don't know. But here's what I do know. That's what your mindset has to be. That's the works of the devil being broken in my life. And Jesus was manifest for that. And I'm not going to dishonor His incarnation and His being born in the earth as a man. I'm not going to dishonor His humility and His willingness to become poor for me. To, 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 to not partake of what God has for me. Just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Amen. Woo. And, and you, need, you need to see that. I say you need to see that. Re- religion tries to tell you, well, God, God will get you for that. God's not getting anybody. God got Jesus. All the punishment, all, all the pain was poured out on Jesus. I'm not supposed to participate in it at all. I'm not supposed to experience it. But listen, there are people that the price has been paid for their soul and when they die, they're going to go to hell. And they're going to go to hell for eternity because they won't make Jesus their Lord. Or they walk away from the things of God and will not make it right with God. The the reason repentance is the way out is there are things that we find ourselves in at times and we're messing up and we're walking away from the things of God. Repent. Get back in fellowship with God. The brokenness will go over you. It'll go around you. It'll miss you. Because that's God's will. But when someone says, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep doing what I want. Their circumstances will break them. It will destroy them. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. Pastor, I don't want that. You're not in charge of it. You are not in charge of it. They're in charge of it. And if they don't change, there's nothing you can do. Listen, if you've raised children, everybody in here that's raised children or is raising children, you've had the occasion where you've told them, now look, don't do that again. Anybody besides me? And if you do it again, I'm going to discipline you. Now, now listen, whatever the discipline is, am I helping anybody with this? Whatever the discipline is, whether it's grounding, can't go to a party, can't watch TV, or dare I say a good old-fashioned spanking. 
right? They don't want that. They don't want a spanking. Anybody in here raise your hand and say, I used to like spankings. If you did, you never got one. That's why we joke about it. That's why we call them whoopings where I come from. You're not a spanking, it's a whooping. Amen. You know, my father was a pastor in Ashland, Ohio when I was born. I was born in Wilmington, and, and they moved very shortly thereafter to Ashland, Ohio. And now this was back in the day, right? This was back in the 60s, seven, early 70s. And uh, they, had a, they had a paddle that if a child was acting up, they'd furnish the parent with a paddle. Had holes drilled in it. You don't want any drag. Aerodynamic. And if, if I got to acting up on the front row or my sister, my mother would be preaching and she'd pull that paddle out. Well, we knew that she would stop and paddle us or have us paddled. I never volunteered. I want a paddling. Just wear me out. When, when did the paddling come? After the correction and the refusal to submit. And there were many days I went home rubbing my hindsight. Whew, seeing hindsight. Right? Thinking, why'd I do that? Nobody wants destruction. They, not really. Then why do they get it? Because they won't give in. The works of the devil have been destroyed. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. Now think, think with me though. If they're forming a weapon against you, they're not going to prosper. Amen. Well, I don't want anything bad to happen. Tell them to quit forming weapons against you. Amen. I've told people before, best thing you can do is be on my side. Well, pastor, that's arrogant. You think whatever you want to think. Best thing is to be on my side. The best thing is to be on your side. Because if they start forming weapons against you, they will not prosper. They will become a burden and a yoke. And the Bible says the anointing on your life will remove them. Amen. And you can't feel sorry for people that won't learn. Boy. You can't feel sorry for people that won't learn. They don't want to do the right thing. They, they, you, right, you got a whole bag full of golden eggs that you're offering them. And they're just looking at you like it's nothing. You, you try to make concessions, and they just want more, 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 more. They're becoming a burden. They're becoming a yoke. I used to tell people on my job, don't become a burden. You really told people that? Told them. Said, look, don't, don't walk over here and form a weapon. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. God's moving us. I'm still talking about the birth of Christ. God's moving us to a place. He said to us on Wednesday night and during prayer, he made a statement to me. He said, 2023 will be a year of moving. 
It'll be a year of moving. And he said, the enemy wants to hinder that movement. And he said, give him no place. Squeeze him out of it. If we're moving, you're moving. What's your job? Squeeze the enemy out of it. Don't let him in there. He gets no place. That means people that want to cooperate with him get no place in my life. You're not bringing your drama in my house. You're not bringing your garbage around me. You do whatever you want, but you're not. Jesus died, and Jesus came into the earth so that those works could be manifest. I'm not letting you bring it in my home. I'm not letting you bring it in my life. I'm not going to be subject to it in the name of Jesus. No. When it all breaks and falls down around you, I'm not getting caught in it. But Pastor, that's, that's, that's straight. It is straight. But you got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. If Jesus came in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil, if he came, then they were destroyed. Don't allow yourself to be defeated by destroyed works. That, that, that's my mindset. Oh, hallelujah. Now let's, let's look at Matthew 1. That was all free. You can't let the compassion that we have for everybody stop you from doing the right thing. Our daughter, our our six-year-old, Lillian, now all my kids were this way to an extent, but especially her. I, I mean, if you just raise your voice an octave in correction, it's immediate. Her heart is just smoke. I am so, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Well, here's the thing. I can't let the fact that she's tender stop me from correcting her. There's not a dad in here that don't want to be the hero. If you don't want to be a hero and you're a dad, you're, you're either lying or a fool. Every dad wants to be the hero. I do. Dave, don't you? I want my girls to look at me like they look at nobody else. I want to be the model. You come knocking around my girl's door, you got some shoes to fill, Jack. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody wants to be the hero. But there's times the hero's got to correct. Is that right? And I can't feel bad about it. Because the Bible says if I correct them, I'll save them. In the future, I'll save them. Correcting your children is actually an act of faith. You're disciplining those kids by faith that what I'm doing is going to stop them from hurt and harm in the future. Well, I don't believe in spanking. Well, whatever. whatever. I mean, you do what, then do whatever you got to do to discipline them. But I found that a little pain on the backside had, does wonders for the mind. My father called it laying down the stripes and me seeing the stars. Now, I don't ascribe to that theory. But you know, there were things that I would get disciplined for, and then I'd start to do the same thing again. I'd think, oh, no, wait a minute. I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a whooping for that. And I tell my friend, uh-uh, last time I did that, I got a spanking. Well, they won't know. I'm not risking it. Right. 
I was born at night, but not last night. <laughs> of course, now you hear my mother talk. She says I was the sweetest child that we had. And I believe that. Now, my sister, mean, 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 mean. Then she was mean. Pushed me down the steps, busted my head three times, and laughed. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Notice this. When, when his mother, Mary, was supposed to jo- espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Before they came together, before they came into unity as husband and wife. Notice, she was found with child. And you know, I won't, I won't read all the verses, but it says that, you know, Joseph wasn't willing to make her a public example. And being a just man, he was going to put her away privately. And the angel showed up to him and said, don't fear, right? It, it, uh, verse 20, while he thought on these things, the angel said, don't fear to take Mary, your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Of, channel, preposition, of, right? The channel, the genesis, the starting point, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 22, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And notice verse 25. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Now, why is this so important? Because the Bible tells us twice here that there was no human interaction. There was no familial, there was no marital interaction between Joseph and Mary until after she gave birth to Jesus. Why is that important? It wasn't Joseph's son. It was God's son. Amen. Luke one thirty five tells us this. Well, that was worth coming to church for. The angel, Luke one thirty five. the angel answered and said, The Holy Ghost will come on you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. That holy thing which will be born of you will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Hallelujah. So he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Now, 1 Timothy 3. We're almost done. You know, sometimes what what we were talking about earlier, I've had people say, well, I just can't do that. Oh, you can if you will. You can if you will. You know, I learned something a long time ago. I can do anything if I have to. And you know what? If I have to do it, it's easy. Right? There are men and women in here. You're going to get up in the morning two hours early so you can pray and study, maybe exercise, whatever you do, and then you're going to go to work. And you're going to work hard all day long. Why? You have to. And you get up every day because you have to. Is that right? And then you're going to come home and you're going to do things at home. Why? You have to. There's going to be kids with math homework. I don't understand this. Well, you're the one that understands it, so you're going to help them. Why? Because you 
have to. You can do anything you have to. All I have to do is get that mindset that I have to do this. Amen. Just ha- I have to do it. I don't have a choice. And, and it's the same way with standing up against those things. And the enemy, the enemy will tell you, this is, this is never going to work out. This is not going to. Wait, 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 wait. Your works have been destroyed because Jesus was manifest in the flesh. And because in order to enforce that victory, I have to stand in faith about that. So I will. And it's easy. Amen. 1 Timothy 3, 16. Without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. What is the mystery of godliness? Number one, God was manifest in the flesh. That's a mystery. You know, I can explain it. I can tell you how the Bible says it. I can tell you that the Holy Spirit is the life-giving arm of the Godhead. I can tell you that He overshadowed her. He came upon her and that the very life of God went into her womb and fertilized that egg and inseminated that egg and Jesus was the Son of God and it's still a mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. But what's the first thing? God was what? Manifest in the flesh. Go back. For this purpose, Jesus was manifest in the flesh that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Then, notice, justified in the spirit. Mm. Justified in the spirit. Went, Went to hell for you and I. Paid the price. Became sin. But yet he was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up to glory. Oh, that's a beautiful statement. So notice he was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary without a natural biological father. He was born of a woman. He was manifested in the flesh. If Jesus had not been conceived by the Holy Spirit, He would not have qualified to be our Savior. In order to represent God in the work of redemption, He had to be fully God. In order to represent man, He had to be fully man. That's what the virgin birth made possible. He was fully man and fully God. Because He had to represent both parties. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He had to represent both parties. That's why his sacrifice paid for everybody's sin, because he represented everybody. Now, we should personalize it, but when we talk about the sacrifice that Jesus made, that was for everybody. Now, think about it. John 3.16, God so loved that he gave... He gave Jesus. He gave him. Is that right? He gave him. He gave him to us. And if I believe on him, I won't perish, but I'll have everlasting life. But who did he, who did he love? The world. Is that right? Hallelujah. If Jesus 
had not been born of a virgin, nothing he did could have produced our salvation. That, that, that is where a lot of people have a problem. God could not just show up in the earth and produce our salvation. Because he had limited himself to the channels that he could occupy. He had made himself an outsider on the earth. And he'd given his word to Adam that you'll have authority and you'll have dominion. And when Adam gave that away to the enemy, God, having given his word to Adam, could not just come to the devil and take it away. That's why he said something in Genesis 3. He said it'll be the seed of the woman. It'll be the, it'll be the seed of the woman. Amen. So he couldn't just come into the earth as God and just clothe himself in flesh and do something. He had to first become man. With a God nature. But with a human nature. A regular sinful man could not effectively die on behalf of others. So if we desire to truly celebrate the Christ at Christmas... We have to embrace the fact that God intervened on our behalf supernaturally. He intervened for us supernaturally in order to rescue us from the grip of sin and death. This included Jesus being born of a virgin. It included Jesus being raised from the dead after He went to the cross for our sins. That's what's clearly taught in Scripture. This, I believe, that settles the issue. Amen. I'll close with this. Because you have, you know, Christians get all, they, they, they get all riled up if someone says happy holidays. And people, happy holidays, trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Well, don't let that be your talking point. Right? People don't understand Christ out of Christmas. And we'll say it's the anointing, trying to take the anointing out of Christmas. They don't understand the anointing. They don't understand living right. They're sinners. Right? Hallelujah. They, 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 don't, they don't understand. God put us in the world to be a light. And our focus at Christmas should be that He was manifest in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. And the joy that that produced was to the whole world. To the whole world. Don't get caught up in what people get caught up in. Trying to make sure you got as many lights as your neighbor. Make sure my yard looks as good as their yard. Listen, it don't matter if you got an old rusty tin can out in the front yard. Keep the thing in focus. Is my neighbor saved? Well, you know what? It's not easy to talk to him. It's easy if you care. If you care, it's easy. If you don't care, it's not easy. It's really been on my heart lately that there are people in my neighborhood that I don't know if they're going to go to heaven or hell. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a house in that neighborhood that's the light. So I'm going to send them a card this year. I trust and hope that you know Jesus. If you don't, I pray that you'd receive him. What are they going to think? What do I care? 
If they're not born again, they get born again. They'll be grateful when they stand before the Lord. And if they don't get born again, I'll be grateful when I stand before the Lord because I ask them. Do you see this? Jesus was manifest in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. Would that be the works of the devil in our nation? It got quiet. I got one amen. Would it be? Then why do you hear so many preachers from the pulpit talking about how the devil's working in our nation? And you don't hear anybody talking about how the works of the devil have been destroyed. Do you see, all, do you see already all of the deceit that's coming out? Anybody but me seeing that? I'm waiting for all the Christians that ran and got in a hole to start coming out now. Because what God said was going to happen is happening. It, the Lord's had me praying for three years that the sword of the tongue of deceit would be dulled and the sword of the tongue of truth would be sharpened to a razor's edge. The Lord's had my wife praying for three years that every lie will be exposed, that every deceit will be exposed. Folks, whatever you believe about an election, whatever you believe, was it stolen, was it not stolen, was COVID real or was it not real, there are people in here that dealt with COVID and they can tell you it was real. Here's the issue. Here's my point. Don't get sidetracked. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. Don't buy this, this bunch of bunk. Oh, there's a famine coming. There's a shortage coming. There's this coming. Not yet. Not yet. Why, we're here. We're here. I, I can say this and stake my reputation on it. Next month, we'll begin 25 years of ministry in this, in this one location. I've pastored one church for 25 years. Now, now, now here's, here's my point. I stake my reputation of 25 years. Some of y'all have been with me all 25 years. I was thinking the other day, there were a bunch of people in here. Y'all used to just be kids. Ronnie was just a kid. Marie, you were really just a kid. Because you didn't get saved much past teenage years, did you? 19, just a kid. Now, Kathleen was a kid. I remember one time Tony Mendez, we were all standing back there, we were taking a video to send to somebody, Pastor Michelle or something, for a uh, happy birthday, and Tony could get away with this, and Kathleen came up and said, oh, happy birthday, and Tony said, here's our older sister, and so, <laughs> I got to be done, but here, here's, 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 here's my point, it's not going to happen. You're going, to see, you're going to see fluctuations. You're going to see things go up. You're going to see some things go down. It'll always come back to center. Do you hear me? Well, isn't Jesus coming? Any day now. Any moment. Any second the rapture of the church could happen. But here's what you, you've got to be aware of. You don't see one thing in the Bible that says there has to be destruction before the rapture of the church. You don't see the destruction till after the rapture of the church. Keep your mind right. Just like in the natural market, the natural stock market, if you panic and pull all your money out, then your money's not going to be earning you anything. All that money that you think you've lost, you're going to get it all back because the market will come back. 
The market in America has never failed and it imploded except one time, 1928. One time. Pretty good track record. Pretty good track record. What I'm trying to tell you is don't panic. Don't live like the world. The works of the devil have been destroyed. Why? Jesus came in the flesh. Oh, let's stand up today, shall we? I believe God. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> you know, you should really watch the next three weeks because you're going to see just things get better. It's been maybe six weeks that it really looked like, oh, man, I'm just churning. And God did something real good for you, and it's like blockade after blockade after blockade. Well, it's what today, the 10th? Is today the 10th? 11th. Well, I'm behind. Will you help me, Dietrich? Hallelujah. The 11th. You watch the next three weeks starting today. You watch. It's going to just get better and better and better and better. It's going to level out. And in the leveling out is your rest. Don't be afraid to rest. All right? Because, you know, single moms have this habit of grinding. And you keep grinding, you're going to wear yourself out. You got to rest. You got to take time and rest. All right? Three weeks. I believe God. Amen. Well, don't forget tonight, of course, we'll be back ministering the Word of God. Uh, we're going to be ministering tonight on paying attention to spiritual things. And so we're excited about what God's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, God's good to us. Amen. Well, say it with me today, would you? The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. And you and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.